The NBA draft is right around the corner, and we continue our NBA draft profile and projection on the Locked On Thunder podcast. This time, we talk about a combo guard from the University of Florida, Trey Mann. Can he fit with the Thunder, his strengths, his weaknesses, and so much more? The NBA season is over officially, but the offseason is just beginning, and we're staying daily here at Locked on Thunder. So without further ado, let's get into the show. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunder Pod. Email the show, L-O Thunder Pod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128 on today's show. We have another 2021 NBA draft profile and projection giving you all you need to know about a possible Thunder prospect. Today's prospect is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join me this week on Thursday morning and get in on the action of Spotify Green Room. It's the app that's changing the way we talk about sports. And I want to talk about Terrence Mann right now with his NBA draft profile coming up, but also the NBA season concludes. Do not worry. We're still going to be daily here on Locked on Thunder, but the Bucks did win a title. CP3 falls short, sadly. Monty Williams falls short, sadly. Campaign. Abdul Nader, of course. A sad way for that really fun Suns team to end, but nonetheless, it was a very fun finals. It was back and forth. It was a breath of fresh air, if you will, between the Bucks and the Suns. It was awesome seeing Milwaukee fans and Suns fans both uh, being just incredible at their respective home games uh, with the Deer District and the fans in the stadium, even at Milwaukee and in Phoenix. It, it was awesome seeing kind of new life with a with two new fan bases that hadn't had this amount of success in a long time. Obviously, the Bucks have had success, but it's not to this level of NBA Finals. And the Suns have missed the playoffs for like a decade, so it was good to see them getting back into it and being able to kind of get rejuvenized this year and throughout this playoff run. Uh, obviously, you can do the easy Kevin Durant stuff right now. We all know what happened there. I mean, we all know that Kevin Durant left and, and didn't do what Giannis did. It would have been cool if he did do what Giannis did and delivered a championship, uh, but it's really hard to win a championship. Could go the funny route and talk about Poku maybe developing into Giannis in, like, in a couple of years, obviously not being the same play style as Giannis, but like in a couple of years uh, being an impactful player in the upper echelon uh, like Giannis is. Obviously not to the extent of back-to-back MVPs or anything like that, but... Uh, a kind of coming-out-of-nowhere developmental star uh, in his own right. At the end of the day, though, let's talk some draft. And our draft profile, again, is Trey Mann, the University of Florida guard. He's 6'5", grew two inches the last offseason. Maybe he's still not done growing at 20 years old. Uh, he weighs 190. He's from Florida, of course. He's a great shooter and an A-plus ball handler, uh, but I'm not sure what else he'll do in the NBA. We'll talk about that coming up. He scored 16 points per game. Last year, 40% from three, three assists, and 80, 83% from the free throw line. There was a stretch last year 
In the final seven games, where Trey Mann averaged 20.9 points per game, shooting 57.9% in that span. He grew up a Florida fan. That's why he went to Florida University. Uh, he studies and models his game after Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Steph Curry, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and CJ McCollum. And again, he grew two inches ahead of last season, uh, even as he was 19 going into 20 years old. And he has worked out for the Thunder. So the Thunder have shown at least some interest in him. Uh, he has worked out for Oklahoma City. Uh, we'll see if that means anything or if it's just kind of a touch point with the organization ahead of the draft. What are his strengths and weaknesses? Well, his strengths is that he's a great ball handler who can create his own shot off the dribble and knock them down via step back, side steps, running off of screens. He can do it all with the ball in his hands to create for himself. As the percentages show, he's a great shooter as well. Has one of the best jump shots in this class mechanically, how smooth it is. Uh, he is a great shooter. Uh, and so that shooting and that scoring ability helps him be a really good playmaker. He also understands basketball and like has an amazing uh, grip on what's supposed to be happening. Now, you don't get to see this a ton in college, uh, but there were instances where you could see that Trey Mann has a very under a very good understanding of complex offensive sets in basketball. He knows where his teammates are supposed to be. He knows where he's supposed to be. He knows how to align his teammates. He knows how to find the soft spots of the defense. Like He understands how to run an offense and how to have the maximum creation, either for himself or for others, with the ball in his hands. I think that that's a very good trait to have for a, a guy of, of Trey Mann's caliber. He's also very fun to watch athletically because he can change directions on a dime, but he can also shift gears. Like he can go from gear one to two or whatever, like however you talk in, in gearhead talk. But like he, he can he can change his speed very quickly. It reminds me of how Shea can, can just kind of slow down to a, a halt, only Trey can kind of speed up out of nowhere and get a speed boost against defenses. I think that an area in which he'll thrive as a playmaker is kind of the same way that we saw Ty Jerome thrive this year, where you're closing out so hard on him to eliminate that jump shot that he just takes a dribble inside the arc and can either dump it off to somebody down low or can take a mid-range jump shot. And so, like, you have to pick your poison at that point because if you don't crash on him, he's going to knock down a three. If you do crash on him, it opens up options A and B uh, for him moving forward in that play. So I think that that's kind of what we're going to see from Trey Mann kind of translating it into the NBA level. We saw from Ty Jerome this year. There are a ton of questions about his finishing. We'll talk about that coming up. But one thing that helps negate that finishing flaw is the fact he does have a soft touch. And he's able to pull up as a floater. Again, that change of direction, change of speed. Being able to have a full head of steam going to the rim and then all of a sudden pull up for a floater or take a step back mid-range shot. That does help keep a defense off balance because... He can score in a multitude of ways. It's not just long threes. It's not just step back threes. It's not just corner threes. It's everything on the floor that he tries to incorporate into his game. And those floaters help him take away one of his glaring flaws, which we'll get to in just one second. The other thing is that he's a good on-ball defender. On ball, he allowed 63 points per one-on-one possessions. That's 73rd percentile in college basketball. Uh, He was a good defender. Not going to be elite, not going to be great, but a good defender at the very least in the NBA, which is more than most prospects of his offensive skill set are going to say. But also, he averaged 1.2 points per pull-up jumper in the half-court set. That's the 90th percentile in college basketball. The 90th percentile. He was really good in the half-court. Again, it, it makes sense because he's such a good ISO scorer to create for himself that the half-court game 
will translate for him even in college. But that's kind of the rundown of Trey Mann's strengths. And it's why he's a very interesting prospect and why you're going to kind of see him when we talk about his availability being all over the board because a good ball handler can play make for others and can create his own shot. That's very interesting whenever you factor in the fact that he also is a good defender, not a liability on that end of the floor. The problem is finding the exact roster that can best maximize his potential and can best maximize his fit. Because do you want him as a full-time NBA point guard? Can he even play off ball? Like Those are some question marks that these, that these teams have to answer that we're going to get to whenever we talk about his fit with the Thunder. Talk about his availability, his floor, his ceiling. And up next, we'll talk about the weaknesses of his game. What does he have to improve on and work on uh, to better help himself become a mainstay in the NBA? But one thing about Trey Mann is that he for sure has an elite NBA trait. That shooting ability, I think, will translate perfectly one-to-one. He's a 40% shooter from beyond the arc in college. I think that that's going to be around the number he is in the NBA. Uh, maybe even a little higher, higher, of course, maybe a tiny bit lower. But around that mark from three is where I have Trey Mann at. And that in the NBA is going to be a really good trait to have. It's a matter of if he can do it in a multitude of ways. Can he do it on ball and off ball? Because I'm not sure how many teams are going to want him as their kind of lead guard in the NBA. He is 6'5", though, so so height-wise, he should be able to go off ball. But does he have that skill set? How does he impact the Thunder roster if the Thunder do choose to go with Trey Mann? His NBA comps, his ceiling, his floor, and much more on today's Locked on Thunder, your daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I want to say right now about our good friends over at Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a very free app that you can go download. It's a lot of fun. You can hop in on the conversations that you listen to every single day. A ton of your favorite podcasters are on there on Spotify Greenroom. It is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download once you're in. You can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time on Spotify Green Room, all about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked on Thunder once a week. Yes, you can finally join in to the conversation you listen to right here every single day on Spotify Green Room. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league that you love. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, or even reactions to the biggest news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with me and might even be featured on the show, Locked on Thunder, throughout our Green Room conversations. Be sure to join me this week. I'll be hosting a room on Green Room Thursday morning on Green Room. Download the app for free right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create your profile, link your Twitter account, and join the NFL, MLB, NHL group for the latest league updates, including throughout the NBA offseason as we get into trade rumors and free agency rumors. And, of course, NBA draft rumors are heating up at all times right now, including the James Book Knight rumors are being Throwing around yet again surrounding your Oklahoma City Thunder. So go download the free Green Room app. Follow me over there at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S to be notified whenever I go live on Green Room. I know you will not want to miss it. I'm planning again to be live this week on Thursday at 11 a.m. I cannot wait to hear from everyone's thoughts on the Thunder. See you there, Green Room, changing the way we talk about sports. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter 
at Rylan underscore Stiles. It's R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. We're going to talk more about the weaknesses of Trey Mann's game. The first one that I have the question around his game is how will his defense translate to the NBA? We talked about in his strengths how he was a good one-on-one defender, uh, but whenever you go from playing college players to playing bona fide NBA players, there's going to be some built-in regression in that. You're not going to be the same exact player you were in college. How far is the regression on defense for Trey Mann? And can he progress defensively at all in the NBA? A lot of it has to do with his frame. We've seen that his frame is not done filling out as he grew two inches less than a year ago. Like it's clear he's still going to be working on his body for the first couple of years of his NBA career. Where does that take him both athletically and speed-wise to keep up with other players on the, on the floor and also strength-wise to try to go against kind of the, the wings and perimeter players in the NBA? The defense, though, was a huge question mark for me. I think, ultimately, he'll be a good defender. Will he be great? No. Elite? No. But I do not think he'll be bad. I do not think he'll be passable in the sense of just passable. I think he's going to be a good defender if I had to bet, but that is still a question mark surrounding him right now. I think that athletically, once he scales up to the NBA, though, he will not blow anybody away in the sense of can he still beat players off the dribble or will it have to be more craft and more more step-back type of moves? Because if it is, it's not that bad because he can hit step-backs at a high clip. He can hit side steps at a, side clip, at a high clip. He can go around screens at a high clip to where he does not rely on that athleticism. This is not a case where in college he was getting by because he's so athletic and because he was able to blow by defenders. He was able to do these other things in college and show you he can do them at the NBA level. So if this does come to fruition, again, it's not that big of a negative because he's already shown you an ability to combat this with those step backs and side steps and his ability to break down defenses with his dribble and then get a shot off that dribble. The biggest weakness for him is that he struggles to finish at the rim. He was 45th percentile at the rim last year. And if the Thunder draft him, he'll join a, a can't finish at the rim club of Lou Dort, Tail Maldon, and Trey Mann. Like those guys all struggle to finish at the rim. Uh, and I just see that as a bigger flaw and a bigger issue because it just leads to one more area that the defense can try to game plan for him. Because in the NBA, these players are so fast, so strong, so athletic, so everything that you can afford now, if he cannot finish at the rim, you can afford to sell out to stop the three. Let him drive, and even if he blows by his man who crashed on him and was trying to run off the three-point line, if he blows by that man running off the three-point line, you can have a big rotate down over to him to put just the tiniest bit of pressure on him at the rim. And even if it's a good look at the rim, the odds still say he'll miss it if you just put a tiny ounce of pressure on him. So in turn, you've taken away the opportunity to hit the three-point ball to 40% clip, and you've now forced him to go into the lane and go to the rim, an area where it's only worth two points, but also he cannot hit that shot at the rim at the same clip he hits it from beyond the arc. So his ability to not finish is a big question mark for me. Another big one, it's kind of 1A, 1B here with the finishing at the rim and also this one. Can he thrive off ball? He's a good shot creator, very good shot creator. I like what he does with the ball in his hands. But when you're looking at the Thunder and a lot of teams around the NBA, do you want this guy to be your lead guard who has the highest usage rate and has the ball in his hands a ton? At 6'5", 190, again, good playmaker, but I'd rather have Shea on ball, for example. To where if he's ever going to become that starter for you, what's his role going to be? Can he be a catch-and-shoot guy? 
Can he be a guy that keeps the offense in a rhythm and in a flow? Or once you pass him the ball, will it just stick to him and become a black hole of him just kind of doing between the legs dribble moves and trying to break down defenses with the ball in his hands and kind of stalling the offense? What does he look like off ball and being off ball primarily? And how does it affect his percentages, you know, three-point percentages and turnover percentages and assist percentages? How does it affect everything for his game? will be fascinating to see if you want to trust him off ball. And that's why I think that his best outcome might just be a high-priority bench player. Because I'm not sure I'd grade him out as a starting NBA point guard in this league on a good team. So if I'm trying to build a championship-level team, and I do not project him as a starting point guard on a good team, he's got to play shooting guard. And then if we have these question marks about his play off ball, where does that lead you? To where... For him and his sake personally, it might be best if he has a bench role of, okay, yes, you're not going to start, but this second unit is yours. You're going to be the office of firepower in the second unit. You're going to control the pace, control the tempo, control the sets, control everything about our second unit offensively, uh, and then that helps you level off the drop-off from the starters to the bench unit. And then whenever you close games and need that offensive punch, since he's so good at the free throw line, He's so good from beyond the arc. He's so good at creating a shot for himself and getting his own bucket. And you're going to need that down the stretch of games. He might not start for you, but I think he can close for you. And that's a big deal in the NBA. You look at these teams that struggle to find a closing lineup that works for them in the postseason, that struggle to balance defense and offense. And if he's a good defender the way we think he, he could be with his college game going into the NBA, and he's still a good shooter and a good free throw shooter, I think that there's certain matchups where he can be in that closing group for you more often than not because of what he provides offensively while while being a good enough defender. Yes, I have questions about how much that defense translates, but the drop-off that I see will not drop off past passable. So he's always going to be at least a passable defender. And anything more than that will be very good considering his offensive produ- production that we project for him. So like any rookie that's projected outside the top five, Finding the role that's best for him will be the first obstacle in the way of of, of getting him to progress and, and kind of getting him into the prime of his NBA career. We're going to get into where he's available, his ceiling, his floor, his NBA comps, and how he fits with the Thunder all coming up. Let's start, though, with his availability. Where is he mocked at? Well, the ringer has him at 15, ESPN at 20, The Athletic at 35, Bleacher Report at 27, CBS at 10, Tankathon at 30, my board's at 30, and NBC's at 28. The only big board I disagree with a little bit is that the athletic big board has him at 35. Again, only five spots lower than me, but I just, I have a first round grade on him. I would struggle to see him falling outside that first round. Now, to the athletic's credit, I do have guys in the second round, like Isaiah Jackson, who I have a first round grade on it, so do not prioritize them in this deep of a draft class. So maybe this is the case with Trey Mann here, but I do not, I'd be stunned if Trey Mann's there in the second round. But look, this is a very deep draft class. I have about 36 guys that that have a first-round grade that if they got picked in the first round, would not be shocked. So somebody has to fall out of that group that I think can be first-round talents. Could it be Trey Mann? Maybe. I just don't see it. I think that Trey Mann will get snatched up because he has that built-in NBA trait of three-point success, free-throw success that leads you to believe it's going to be sustainable, plus the shot creation and getting shots on his own, and then the quality defense. I think that all those things kind of mix together for a surefire first-round pick. I'd be shocked if he was not a first-round pick. 
But again, in such a deep draft class, somebody has to shock me. Somebody has to shock with the fall. And it happens every year. We see guys like Kevin Porter Jr. fall to 30. We see falls all the time. Coming up, we're going to get into his ceiling and his floor, his fit with the Thunder, and much more. But first, I want to say right now, what are good friends over at BuiltBar.com? Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. They have amazing flavors, including coconut, cherry raspberry, cherry barcia, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, my favorite flavor is cookies and cream. I love the cookies and cream bar. I just absolutely love it. But if you do not believe me or if that does not sound enticing to you, which how could it not, you can order a mixed box. The mixed box gives you two of each flavor. You get two of every single flavor I just rattled off there. You can try them all out and then reorder the flavor that you love the most of these Built Bars. They are incredible, and they're also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Most bars have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. They're all amazing tasting flavors. They're all healthy for you. Again, they're so filling to me. You can use them pre-workout, post-workout, or even as a meal replacement or a snack. They're awesome. Try them out today at Bipper.com. Promo code LOCK15 gets you 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. It's the protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your next order, and try that cookies and cream Built Bar. That cookies and cream Built Bar is incredible. I want to say right now, but our good friends over at RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you could have been going to RockAuto.com and finding all the parts that your car would ever need. My favorite part about rockauto.com is they allow me to do it from the comfort of my own home, on the internet, on my computer. There's no drive time. There's no time spent walking around a store looking for a part that they don't even have in the store. There's no time waiting for the store to order that part and let that come in and then let them call you and go back up there and get it. It's, it's a streamlined process at rockauto.com. My favorite part, though, is their website because their website is so easy to navigate. I don't have to know a thing about cars not the compatibility factor, none of it. Because all I have to do is put my make, my model, my year into their database and they're only gonna show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. That way, I'm not wasting time, effort, money on parts I cannot use and parts I do not need. Go to rockauto.com for their amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Let's say right now, but our good friends over to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Lockdown and Odyssey featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey experts Brian Scalabrini, the White Mamba, and former GM Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On local experts will make selections and trades for our teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcast from. That's Odyssey. It's your audio home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 for my complete Thunder Mock Draft with my fellow host in this draft. You can go check that out on wherever podcast provider you use. You can go check it all out. It's out there right now for you. Uh, all my parts are out. You can go see how I did as acting as Sam Presti. Let's get back into Trey Mann, his ceiling, his floor, his NBA comp, and then his future fit with the Thunder. His ceiling, if you want to get really optimistic and really just out there, would be maybe he becomes CJ McCollum. Like maybe he develops into a guy who 
can go get you buckets, can be an all-star type of player. And then at the end of the day, you're left questioning, is he really a two? Is he a third option? Is he a second option? What kind of is CJ McCollum at this point? What kind of is Trey Mann at this point? It's a guy that you can see going that route, but that's his absolute tippity-top peak of his ceiling, and not many players reach their tippity-top ceiling. So that is a, a stretch of a comparison. But his floor, I think, is a 10th man. 10th, 11th man who sticks around, is a high, impactful, rotational piece in the regular season, and then also can see his role increase in the postseason because of those traits of shooting and good defense. So when you get to the latter half of the draft in the middle first round, late first round, and then, of course, if he somehow survives to the early second round, how many players will have a, high, a higher floor than high-impact bench player that I do not see fading out of the league? I think that Trey Mann will have a long-lasting NBA career, of course, barring injuries or anything off the floor that we have no reason to speculate on. As long as he's healthy and there, he'll be a very good NBA player in some capacity. Will it be a star capacity or even a starter capacity? Probably not. But it'll at least be an impactful capacity of actually having your fingerprints all over a franchise's success. And that's something that you cannot really say for a lot of players for certain uh, at this point in the draft. Whenever you go to 30 on my big board or go to 20 on ESPN's big board or 27 on, Ble on Bleacher Report's big board, whenever you get to that range, it could happen for that player, but it's not certain the way I feel like Trey Mann's success will be certain in this league. His NBA comp for me will be a guy like Ty Jerome was last year. We've talked about this comparison before, but a player who is very fun to watch, a, a very good bench player that at the end of the day will be a high-level contributor for a good team. Might not be the star player, obviously. Will not be a starting player even, obviously. But will at least be a high, impactful contributor. His fit with the Thunder. Future role, priority bench player. Rotational fit next year. A bench player, I think, that's similar to Tail last year. Where, like, he'll be the one of the first in line for if there's an injury that night or if there's someone sitting out that night, maybe you move him up to give him more minutes and opportunity because he's so young and you want him to, to, to develop. But a bench role will be kind of what he kind of settles into for his NBA career. The roster impact, though, again, not many players impact the Thunder roster moving forward, but Trey Mann can because I just see Trey Mann and Sfi as pretty redundant players. So if you want to go to the Trey Mann route and you get a guy on a rookie contract who's only 20 years old, does that change the way that you view Sfi's free agency this offseason? The Thunder should take him because they'd be taking a solid contributor at the worst. And anything more than that would be gravy for the Thunder and would be gravy for Trey Mann's career. Why the Thunder should not take him, though, is those questions with the off-ball fit. And also because at this point in this stage of the rebuild, wouldn't you rather take a high-priority upside swing? Do you want to go the safe and conventional route of Trey Mann, who I think, again, will not wash out and will be a good long-term NBA player, uh, but the ceiling is just very limited for him? Would you rather take the home run swing and risk striking out or take Trey Mann? It's a very interesting topic of debate for the Thunder and what they have to go through and decide because I can see the argument either way of, hey, do we take enough home run swings already? Do we just need good players at this point? I can see either side right now. So that's kind of the debate for the Thunder on why they should or should not take Trey Mann. So again, we're staying daily right here on the Locked On Thunder podcast for the rest of the draft period. Throughout the next two weeks will be every single day, Saturday and Sunday included. Also, 
You can go check out thundersintentions.com. I'm the new co-site expert at thundersintentions.com. So find my written work there. I have an Isaiah Todd profile up right now. We'll get more profiles up there as well. Diving into the second round players over there. I'll have Bones Highland coming out and JT Thor coming out as well. And some other prospects like Austin Reeves and others coming out over on thundersintentions.com. So go check that out. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.